Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. Volunteer for this. It's at an odd time of the day. It's, it's Monday through Friday for an hour, like from 11 to 12. And I could make that work in my schedule because typically in the mornings I'm working on message and then I transition to other things in the afternoon. So I'm like, ah, I think I can make that work. But God, I don't really want to do this. So I'm going to go and just like respond. I don't have a teaching degree. I don't have, don't have any experience, you know, classroom teaching at all. So I emailed and said, well, I, if you haven't found anyone yet, you know, I could, I could maybe talk to you about it. So they brought me in for an interview. It's been a long time since I've been in an interview. You know that? I haven't been in an interview for, I mean, it's like 20 years. Anyway, so I'm in this interview, and I'm actually nervous about this one hour a day, you know, teaching position. I'm actually nervous. And I'm just like, hey, you know, this is what I've done. And if you find someone better, I mean, please just take them. And he offered me the job right there, and I started right away. So... The first thing I did, though, is I shadowed the, the math teacher, because I'm like, I don't know how to do any of this, right? I, I went to school for computers, but I had a minor in mathematics. But algebra one and geometry, that was like 30-some years ago. I mean, that was a long time for me. And so I sat in this class, and I watched the, the math teacher just teaching these students and uh, he just, he didn't look at any notes. He just like knew it all. I'm like, oh no, what did I get myself into? So I, I got like the, the list of all the topics I'm supposed to teach in like over the next 10 weeks. And I'm like, I don't know what half of this stuff is. And I'm feeling pretty overwhelmed. Um, and I'm trying to, to read ahead and trying to learn all of this. And, and I went into the office and I was talking to one of the teachers and I kind of was sharing with her. I'm like, yeah, I just, I don't know. This is gonna be pretty tough. And she said, oh, oh, don't worry. You don't have to know it all right now. You just have to stay one day ahead of the students. I was like, oh, that's, I got to write that down. You know, that's, that's genius. And actually, that's, that's what I've been doing. I've been like at night studying for the next day and going in the next day. And I'm an expert, you know, that day. But I don't know anything about what I'm doing the next day till that night when I study and do the next thing. But it was the key to my success so far in teaching this class. So as a key, so anyone ever had one of those keys in life? Like, you know, you're just kind of going through life and someone shares something with you and that's like the magic bullet. Like, oh, that makes so much sense. Um, I I thought of a couple more, uh, like in the area of finances. So we think about, okay, in finances, what's the key to financial stability? You know, we go, what is the key to financial stability? And many people would say, it's making a ton of money, right? I mean, a lot of people would say that, but we've all heard the horror stories of the millionaire who's now a busboy, you know, at Arby's uh, because they made a lot of money, but they don't have it anymore. And we've also seen people who, the, the busboy at Arby's, who's actually in a pretty good financial state. So the key to financial stability is to spend less money than you make. That's really it. If you make this much money, you spend this much, and over time, this excess becomes your financial stability. That's the key. Well, physically, I was thinking about physically, what's the key to being healthy, right? What's the key? 
One of the biggest issues in America with, that keeps us from being healthy is that we tend to carry a little extra weight, all right? We carry a little extra. For me, it's right here. And, but when we carry that extra weight, it doesn't help us at all in our health endeavors. So um, losing weight is a big deal. So how do you lose weight? What's the key to losing weight? And there are all kinds of diets out there and plans and so on. Um, about five years ago, I went on this program and lost 15 pounds. And what it all came down to was I counted my calories. That was it. So the key, here's the key to losing weight is eating fewer calories than you burn. That's it. Now, is it easy? No, it's not easy to do that. But our bodies are incredible the way they're designed. So if we eat this many calories, all right, and we burn this many calories, we have extra. You know where that extra goes? It goes right here. That's where it goes. Our body's like saving up for a rainy day. That's what it does for us. But on the other hand, if we're burning this many calories and we eat this much, this, this has to come from somewhere. And so it just kind of shreds off some of that extra storage. So again, that's the key. It's not easy, but it's the key. And then I thought of relationships. Go, what is the key to having good relationships? Jesus actually spoke to this in Matthew chapter seven. He says, verse 12, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. See, it's the golden rule. I learned it way long ago when I went to a Mennonite church. It was do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I learned it in the old King James. So the key to having good relationships is simply treating others like you want to be treated. So keys to success. They're important in life. They're, many times they're not easy, but it's really good to know them, to understand them. And so in our spiritual walk, there are keys to success as well. You see, once we've decided to follow Jesus, our job, our goal is to become more like Jesus and to get to know him better. And Paul understood this. And he was transformed day by day to become more and more like Jesus. So he taught about it. And in our scripture today, he actually narrows down this process of becoming more like Jesus down to one thing, just to one key. Now, it's actually two different things, but you can't do one without the other. So he, he kind of narrows it down to just one. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. And I'm going to read uh, up through verses 16. It says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but here's the key. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. So today's message is titled, One Thing, Paul's Key to Spiritual Success. We're going to dig into that a little bit here tonight. And I think it's going to be uh, really good what God brings out of this scripture. It's been really good for me this week as I've focused on it. But let me pray, and if you guys would pray with me. 
So Lord, I pray that you would be in the middle of this teaching tonight. I know there are, there are things that you want to communicate to each of us through this scripture, Lord. And I pray that we would be changed and transformed as we walk out of here this evening. And Lord, I pray that you would help me to get out of the way of what you want to do tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so I'm going to be explaining Paul's key to spiritual success. Uh, The first part is something that we shouldn't do, that we need to not do, and the second part is something to do. So Paul's key to spiritual success includes not looking back. You can fill that in on your handout, not looking back. So in verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death. So that's the goal, to know Christ and to become like him. And then he goes on down into verse 13. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, to to have become exactly like Christ. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. So that first part is forgetting what is behind. Paul is saying that we can't spend our lives looking back. Here's a quick story that I came across this week that emphasizes it. It says, on May 6, 1954, Roger Bannister became the first man in history to run a mile in less than four minutes. Within two months, John Landy eclipsed the record by 1.4 seconds. So on August 7, 1954, the two met together for a historic race. As they moved into the last lap, Landy held the lead. It looked as if he would win, but as he neared the finish line, he was haunted by the question, where is Bannister? And as he turned to look, Bannister took the lead. Landy later told a Time Magazine reporter, if I hadn't looked back, I would have won. See, Landy would have won if he hadn't looked back. Forgetting what is behind us. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's so important if we're going to be successful in our spiritual walk. I'll tell you, here's an example from my life just this year. So God had called us to start this church, but, and most of you know this, but not everyone probably knows. I had attended uh, the Vineyard Church in Mishawaka for 21 years. When I first went there, there were only 50 people. It's similar to the size of the church here. And... Um, and over those 21 years, it grew to over 1,500 people. And I was on staff the last 11 years at the church. I had taken the church through three building projects. Um, I'd watched it grow significantly during that time. And there was a season, um, it was about a week after I told Pastor Mark that I felt like God was calling Rose and I to start this church in Elkhart, that I was just, man, I was, I was sad. I mean, I was looking back. That's what I was doing. I was looking back. I remember um, during that time, I was worried about the young adult ministry. Rose and I were leading that. I was worried about who was going to take over the young adult ministry, how that was going to go. I was worried about the building. Who was going to take care of the building, the finances? I was worried about the staff. I had hired most of the staff there, and so I was worried about who was going to take care of the staff. And then I was really just feeling bad about leaving the church, well, that night I was watching the movie Ben-Hur. Anyone see the, the new version of the movie Ben-Hur? Just a few. It's a really good movie, by the way. Um, 
And so I was watching it by myself. Rosie gone to bed. So I'm watching this movie late at night by myself. And it's after midnight. And at the very end of the movie, Ben-Hur is leaving the city. And he's looking back behind him, just kind of staring at the city. And I was relating to that feeling of just like looking back and going, oh, I'm leaving this. I'm leaving this town. And uh, at that point, Ben-Hur's mentor makes a comment to him. And I wrote it down in my journal. This is from my journal. It says, December 14th, it says of last year, don't look back. Your life is in front of you from the movie Ben-Hur. That's what he said. And I wrote, I needed this today because I've had lots of regrets and sadness today. And I can tell you, I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't have been able to start this church and to move forward if I kept staring back at past successes, past failures, and just the past in general. We can't do both. We can't look back and look forward at the same time. And this is true spiritually. We can't grow spiritually if we keep on looking back at our past. Paul knew this better probably than anyone. I mean, he wrote this, but he understood it. You see, Paul, before he was a Christian, I mean, he persecuted Christians. He hated Christians. He would have men, women, and children arrested, thrown in jail, and when they had their trial, he would vote no on them, and they would be killed. Paul, if you put it in modern day terms, he was the head of ISIS. That's what he did. And he only went after them because they were followers of Jesus. Well, then Paul becomes a Christian himself. Can you imagine the guilt that he went through? You know, looking at life through the lens of Christ and and knowing that you sent people to their death, men, women, and children, There were probably brothers and sisters of those individuals in his church, and he had to face them. Paul knew that he couldn't do what God had for him if he kept staring back at his past. And yet Satan wants us to stay focused on our past. That's what he wants. On every mistake we've ever made, Satan is known as the accuser of the brothers and sisters. Revelation 12.10 says, he's talking about Satan here. He says, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. He's talking about Satan. Satan accuses us. Now here's his approach. We've all been there. Each one of us, Satan comes along, he whispers in her ear, and he says, oh, come on, you need to try this. You know, just, just have another drink. Or he'll say, you know, try it. Everybody else is doing this. Or just click on this. It's going to be okay. You'll be fine. He tempts us into sin, right? I mean, we've all been there. Just go ahead and, and write it all out in that email, you know? Say what's on your head, you know, what's on your mind. Just go ahead and say it. And he tempts us into this sin. But as soon as we walk into sin, what's he do? He says, oh, you're such a jerk. I mean, it's like the moment we sin, you call yourself a Christian, and he just starts the accusations. The accusations just begin at that point. Satan loves to remind us of our mistakes. And the purpose, the purpose of his accusations is to condemn us. It's condemnation. 
Now, Jesus has a different approach. The Holy Spirit is in our life, alive and active, and the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. But it's for the purpose of repentance. So Satan accuses us for the purpose of condemnation. The Holy Spirit convicts us for repentance. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So when we feel conviction, we confess, we are, we are healed. We are um, clean at that point. And Romans 8, 12, 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And as I was thinking of this message this week, I really felt like some of us here tonight needed to hear this part. Because some of us have been held captive to past sins and past failures. And Satan wants to keep us there. He wants to remind us of every mistake we've ever made. But today, guys, you can be set free. We can be set free because John 8.36 says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Because if you have a past full of mistakes, you're not alone. The Bible is full of them. We, know, we already talked about Paul. But you know Moses, this wonderful character Moses? Moses murdered a man and then ran away out into the desert for 40 years. He just disappeared. And then you have David. David was an adulterer. You know, committed adultery with Bathsheba. When she became pregnant, not only did he, you know, commit adultery, but then he ended up having her husband Uriah murdered to try to keep it a secret. And then even the apostle Peter, he denied that he even knew Jesus. And that was just a few days after he said, I would die with you, Jesus. He just completely denied it. So let's get real. We've all made mistakes. And Satan loves to remind us of every mistake we've ever made. You know, I've made a lot of mistakes myself. And as I was putting this message together, I was just reminded again of the fact that I failed in my first marriage. And that was a big, big deal to me. Had to step down from ministry. Didn't feel like I'd ever be able to do anything in ministry again. The church that I grew up in, if you went through a divorce, I mean, you couldn't even be a member of the church. I mean, they might let you come in the doors, but that was about it. And that's how I grew up. That's how I was feeling. I was feeling the condemnation of that. But here's the deal. We can't keep looking backward at our past mistakes. Paul says that we need to forget what is behind. All right, we need to forget what is behind. And this implies that there's something for us to do so the definition of forget is to put out of one's mind to cease to think of or consider. That's how we're supposed to handle our past. We're supposed to just put it out of our mind to not even consider it. If Moses had kept looking at his mistakes, he would have died a shepherd in the wilderness. There never would have been the 10 plagues, the 10 commandments, no promised land, the children of Israel might still be slaves in Egypt. If David 
had given up when he failed, he wouldn't have had a second baby by Bathsheba named Solomon, who went on to become the wisest man in history. There would have been no book of Psalms, no book of Proverbs. And you know what? Jesus's lineage is traced back through Solomon, through Bathsheba. Talk about God showing grace. If Peter would have hung on his betrayal, he wouldn't have preached his first sermon where 3,000 people were saved. He wouldn't have given away for Gentiles, which is most of us in this room, to be saved. He wouldn't have been the rock that the church was built upon. And if Paul had focused on his past, it would have paralyzed him. He would have never written most of the New Testament. And honestly, guys, if I stayed focused on my mistakes, I wouldn't be able to stand up here. Rose and I wouldn't be leading this church. It wouldn't be happening. And you know, there wouldn't be a vineyard church, at least today, probably in Elkhart. So I want you guys to say this with me. I have it on your handout. It's going to be up on the screen too. Because this is just true. We're just all going to say this together. It's something different for us. So say it with me. My past is dead and gone. It has no hold on me today. It will not determine my destiny. I am a child of the king. I am royalty. The only power my past has over me is what I choose to give it. And today, I choose to forget my past and focus on the future God has for me. Jesus' death on the cross erased every mistake we've ever made. Not just some, not just the little ones, the big ones too. So hang on to that, guys. Hang on to that. A key to our spiritual success is to not keep looking back. Not keep looking back. There's just way too much to do. And that brings us to point number two. Paul's keys to spiritual success includes straining forward. Straining forward. I wanted to say looking forward, but the, the words are a lot more um, action-oriented than simply looking or glancing. So going back into the scripture, it says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. See, to me, that implies action, energy. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. A lot of words there, a lot of action words in there. It's more than just changing our focus. It's more than just glancing forward. If we're going to be able to forget our past, we're going to have to put some energy into moving forward. We're going to have to strain forward. We cannot be lethargic in this. A few weeks ago, we, we read this scripture, but we kind of glanced over it. It's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, Therefore, my dear brothers, as you, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
there's this concept of being a Christian is going to take effort. It's going to take energy. We're going to be straining. We're going to be working out our salvation. Now, there's a good side to that, though. Um, when I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that I can really only focus on one thing at a time. Um, and so the other, actually yesterday, we had a, a homeowners association meeting uh, in our neighborhood. And Rose and I went to this homeowners association meeting. And I've been the president for several years. And this meeting was a meeting to talk about all the mistakes I've ever made. That was basically the purpose of this meeting. And so in this meeting, um, I was just kind of getting it left and right. And um, we had to leave and go directly from that meeting to Michigan City to watch Rebecca play volleyball. And so while we're driving from this meeting to Michigan City, Rose and I are just talking about it. You know, we're just talking through the meeting the whole way, you know, and it's just playing through my mind, you know, all this stuff that was said. And, and so we get to the volleyball game and Becca's game start, you know, starts to play. And for like two hours, all I did was watch volleyball. I didn't think about the meeting. I didn't think about anything else because I was focused on what was in front of me. You know, and that's, that's the example I want to kind of show about our walk with Christ. If we're going to forget what is behind us, we need to really be active about focusing, what, about focusing on what is in front of us. Does that make sense? Focusing on what is in front of us. It's going to take action. It's going to take energy. It's going to take straining Matthew 11, verse 12 in the NIV 84 version says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. I love that translation of the scripture because for me, that's just a picture of what it's been like in my spiritual walk. I don't know about you guys, but my walk, my spiritual walk has been a battle. It's been a challenge. It's been hard. Every step that we've taken forward has been with a lot of resistance pushing us back. But I'll tell you, when I'm focused on those things, I really don't even have any mental energy to look back and, and focus on past mistakes. I just don't. So if we are going to be making a difference here in the city of Elkhart, we're going to need some forceful men and women, okay? All of us in this room and over the next weeks and months, we're going to have lots of opportunities to get involved, to, to roll up our sleeves, to intercede, to share the gospel, to do some work, to go door to door, to reach out, do outreach, missions, those kinds of things. But I'll tell you, there's a huge benefit to that. As we move forward, as we push forward, we're going to forget our past mistakes. We're going to forget what people have seen us do wrong in the past, because it doesn't matter. So many of us already are serving on teams um, here at the church, but I'll, I'll encourage you now, if you're not serving on a team yet, let's, let's start, all right? Let's get busy doing the work of the gospel. It will be to our benefit. James says it this way, says, in the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But some will, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. 
Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. See, taking action, it's just part of the spiritual journey. It's part of uh, what it means to be a follower of Christ. So here's a question for us to consider. You can fill this in. What action am I taking to keep my focus in front of me? So if you're struggling with the condemnation continually rolling around in your mind over past mistakes, my encouragement to you, I mean, one is, let's put it out of your mind, all right? Let's take captive every thought and command it to be subject to Jesus Christ. But here's the other one. Let's get busy doing the things of Jesus, all right? Let's get busy getting into the ministry so that we don't even have time to focus on past mistakes. And by the way, we will make mistakes again in the future, all right? I'll be the first one to say that I will be making some mistakes as the leader of the church. It's going to happen. But I want to have the kind of church that looks at our intent much more than our actions, you know? So we're going to make some mistakes, but we're going to be a grace-filled church. I'm going to try really hard to be a grace-filled leader, you know? So let's just go ahead and, and let's try. We'll make some mistakes along the way. But let's do the work of the kingdom, so that's point number two. Paul's key to spiritual success includes straining forward. Krista, you can come on up. Um, the final song, I asked Krista to, to lead this. Uh, it's, it's a song most of us have, hear, have heard before. It's a simple phrase of, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back, no looking back. And the thought is, again, tonight, we have an opportunity as we just sing this song between us and God. It's just that, that focus of, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. And I can guarantee you, if, if you say, I'm going to follow you wherever you take me, God is not going to leave you on the couch. <laughs> He's not going to leave you there. He's going to take you somewhere. All right? And his purpose is, one, he wants to further the kingdom. The other thing is, he doesn't want us to stay focused on our past and our past mistakes. So if you guys would stand with me, let me pray and then we'll sing this song. So God, I thank you, Lord, that you forgave me for my past mistakes. I thank you, God, that my past does not predict my future. And I thank you, God, that you've given each one of us here tonight a mission and a purpose. And Lord, I truly believe you want to keep us so busy that we won't even have time to consider what the enemy is trying to remind us of because there's too many cool things happening today to waste our time and energy thinking about past mistakes. So Lord, I invite your Holy Spirit to come and speak to us even as we do this last song. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.